Welcome back to the Value Adds Value podcast. My name is Kyle Krieger, and I am here with my co-host and co-founder, Wilkie V. Law III. We want to thank you for taking time to listen and share your stories with us. We appreciate you, whether you're listening on SoundCloud, on YouTube, on iHeartRadio, or on iTunes. We are a podcast for educators created from a six-year conversation between us, two educators from different backgrounds and journeys that discovered that the true value in education is in the connections that teachers make with their students and the relationships that develop from that connection. The purpose of our podcast is to provide educators a platform to share their voices with others, make those connections, and to return value to the classroom experience and the teaching craft. Above all, we believe that when you add value to yourself, you add value to others. So welcome to Value Adds Value. Welcome to episode one of season two of the Value Adds Value podcast. Thanks for checking in. I'm Kyle Krieger with my guy. We'll give you all the third. Will, what's good? What up, what up, what up, man? Excited, 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 yeah. excited. Yeah, man, for sure. It is Labor Day weekend. The Sunday of Labor Day weekend when this is dropping and we yeah. are Super thrilled to be bringing you the second season of the Value Adds Value podcast. We are going to make each progressive school year a new season, which is 52 episodes uh, each each school year. So we are super thrilled to be coming back to you. Um, a ton of really good collaborations this year, some new um, relationships and partnerships that we have. So we're, we're super excited. So um, we thought it only be fitting to talk about back to school since well where you live people are already back to school where i live people are just about to go back to school here on tuesday so yeah yeah i mean i've really really already been back i mean there are no kids but i've been at the campus already kind of doing my thing and mm -hmm. trying to get set up i have to leave myself a little bit of work to do for when we actually get back and get time in our rooms but Man, I like I, I've been. I, I feel like a first year teacher, man. Like I I feel like just giddy and ready to go. And I had one of my coworkers. I get to work with a former skill specialist of mine who, uh, well, a former skill specialist that I used to work with uh, as a, you know when we were both skills. And now she's coming back to the classroom and teach sixth grade mathematics with me at my campus. And I'm just excited, man. The direction that our campus is going and the move that 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 you know it's, it's like you know, it's like they talk about in the book great you know from good to great you know you got to kind of get the pieces that's there and get the right pieces and then kind of move those pieces around until you find the right right place for those right pieces and i feel like we're 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 year 2 of our campus and we're moving in that direction man so i'm really excited about that right now yeah, it's so funny you mentioned uh, good, the book Good to Great by Jim Collins. I was I was working yesterday and I listened to uh, two hours of a podcast between him and Tim Ferriss. And it's one of the best podcasts I've ever listened mm -hmm. to. So I was just thinking you and I need to work on our flywheel principle, figure out what that is. But uh, we don't want to get too deep in the weeds because uh, we want to make sure that our listeners and ourselves, because this podcast is for ourselves too, are, are starting out the school year the right way because um, we know that if you don't start the school year off the right way you're you're gonna have some some hard drudgery at some point so starting out with this let's let's 
here's the four things we really wrote down as in terms of, of what we want to talk about. We want to talk about being intentional. We want to have a vision or, and a definition for success uh, in that we want we have goal setting. And then an important piece that's kind of tangential to that is, is parent communication, because it's something that I know I've struggled with. Um, and, and, and it, it, it is, <laughs> one of those things that um i don't want to say it's unpleasant but it's um we're hoping it doesn't have to be unpleasant we're hoping to speak to you a little bit so it doesn't have to be an unpleasant part of that job so um where do you want to start uh, on this well we'll jump right in with i mean i think that that lead-in kind of takes us straight to the point of intentionality um because i think that is the paramount principle that we have to get is that not, not, I mean, it's important every single day to be intentional, uh, to wake up with an intentional goal, to wake up with a, you know, I, I often tell people um, you should do visualization when you first wake up before you even get out of the bed. Just kind of sit there and just become aware of what your day is going to bring. Um, I, I like to say it's kind of taking a bird's eye preview of what's going on. and to know that I'm, we're all starting a brand new school year with brand new students, I think it's so critical that we 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 become intentional about what we're doing, and I mean not so much what we're doing, why we're here. Mm -hmm. I think that's where intentionality mm -hmm. starts. At why the conversation my wife and I've had all summer long is simply why. Why do you teach? Why? Why did we choose this profession? Why did we choose to, you know, as some people like to say, why did we choose to be overworked, underpaid, and underappreciated? Um, right. Why would you subject yourself to that type of uh, punishment? But most of us, most teachers have this innate calling to help. And in that innate calling, it, it makes it kind of, um, our responsibility to not just have it be a calling, but actually make it a, 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 a profession, a true vocation mm -hmm. and um, mm -hmm. intentionality and understanding why you're doing it. You know, what's, what's the purpose of you being here? You know, what, what do you, you know, not to try to jump ahead to goal setting, but what, what's your, what's your desired outcomes? Mm -hmm. You know, and I think that, you know, like for me, I looked at this year and I said, I want to be intentional with every single kid that I meet, not just my students, with every kid. Uh, because we come in, con I come in contact with so many kids during duty times, so, you know, morning transitions and afternoon transitions. And I, I, I want to go back to last year, I started the year with a little, a little small notebook and I would write kids' names down and I would tell them, give me something to remember you about. And I would write down their name and something to remember them about and keep it. And I found that little book today, cleaning it out of my room. And I only got to like two pages. And I'm like, we had over 1,400 students on our campus. Why did I stop that? You know, it's helping me understand and know. But I think that that establishing that why gives you a reason to wake up in the morning. It reminds me, when you talk about that, it reminds me of that, that thing you'll say to a kid who winds up in the principal's office or wherever, you know, when, when you woke up, did you say to yourself, 
my my vision for today is I'm going to wind up in the principal's office. I'm going to get suspended. I'm going to do this. And and I think, you know, most teachers are on fire right now. They've had the summer. They've had the time to prep. They're ahead. You know, they've got a, a few weeks or a month or whatever planned and prepped. So, you know, hopefully things start out smooth. And they, they kind of get, I know I've done it where you get into that comfort zone where you're kind of lulled and you lose sight of that, that why, that purpose. Mm-hmm. And, and I think there's nothing more powerful. We've talked about this for you intentionally for setting an intention for the day. And at the end of the day, looking at how you did working toward that intention. Mm-hmm. And, and I think intention without reflection is kind of pointless. Oh, absolutely. Because if you're not, if you're not reflecting on how you did in, uh, you know, working towards that intention, you know, why, why are you setting it? And you know, that's your assessment. That's your assessment yeah. tool. Like that reflection is your way of assessing your, your accomplishment of your, of, of what you what you set out for that day to be. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, like I say, first, first bit in the morning, you should say, do, you know, visualize and set your intentions. The very last thing you should do at the end of the day, reflect on it. Did I meet that? Did my day give me that? And if it didn't, what happened? You know, and I think a lot of times we overthink things or we try to, you know, I heard somebody say the other day, oh, I don't have time for that. Uh, Because we were talking about meditation. And I said, you know, just waking up 10 minutes earlier and just finding a quiet place to just sit down and not go back to sleep, not take a little cat nap, but to really become in tune with who you are and waiting on the weather to get a little bit better. It's still 85 degrees out here in the morning. So, yeah. uh, <laughs> but once the temperature cools down a little bit, you know, taking my mat outside and getting in the backyard and, you know, becoming, becoming one with my surroundings so that I can kind of meditate. And they're like, I don't have time for that. I say, but you take a shower every morning or every night to wipe off the day's, you know, dirt and the day's, what you've done throughout the day. I say in meditation is spiritually like a shower. It's a shower for your spirit. You know, not, not trying to get religious at all, because I don't think it can become a religious experience if you are a religious person. Or it could be a, a clearing and clarifying, you know, experience for someone who may say, you know, religion is not really my thing, you know, doesn't really do all that. But taking time just to just to just to listen to listen to that still voice inside of you that's drive that drives your why. And if you're not in tune with that, it's gonna be very difficult to get students to in tune with their own. Yeah. It's gonna be very difficult. You know, and the thing other thing I like about you know reflecting at the end of the day is you can you can set your intention for the next day. And that's sometimes what I find to be the most beneficial is to you know take a little note card and write write down the things that happened today or whatever and then at least get myself a direction of where I want to go um for the next day I mean we we write detailed list of the things we've got to do during the day you know we we write checklists but it's not any more difficult like you said to be able to write down this is my intention for the day this is how I want to behave in this particular situation this is who I want to be as as a teacher and as a person right and that's I think it has to boil down to that 
what do I want to, what do I have to become? I remember that was a discussion we had before. What do I have to become for my students to be successful? And making sure that every day I intentionally become that. You know, um, I am a religious person. Uh, I, I am, I, and, and the Bible tells us, Paul said, I become all things for all people that I might reach one. Uh, and some people say, well, that's kind of crazy and schizophrenic. No, it's just saying that I'm going to put myself in a position to where I can try to be of service to every single person I meet. Because I don't know who I'm, who I'm, the person I'm serving may not need everything that I have, but may just need that 1%, may just need that 10% of what I give that day. And if I don't give that, then that little bit that they would have needed leaves them leaving my presence incomplete. And that's, I mean, that's the worst thing, you know, um, that, that we deal with is just being incomplete and, and deficient in so many areas. And, and the one way that we can really start getting those small victories is, is with waking up and being intentional, understanding why am I here? Why am I doing this? Especially when you get around November, December, you know, January, you know, this is, you know, talking about back to school, you know, I tell people, work your hardest through October, get to November. And by the time you get to November, November, December will be smooth, January will be rough, then February, March, and April will be the smoothest days of your, your, your teaching career if you focus on why you're doing it and you keep that intentions, those intentions in front of yourself and in front of your students. So how then do you, out of your intention as a teacher define success because I think when we're talking about defining success we're not necessarily talking about just the academic standards and the content and those things you need to to check off but more broadly de defining success or having a vision for success for your classroom and your kids um you know this whole summer I've been listening to Earl Nightingale and I think he gave the best um definition that success is the the work the pursuit of a worthy purpose or goal. Um, the pursuit of a worthy purpose of a goal, an intentional pursuit of a worthy purpose or a goal. The goal, the fact that you put a goal there automatically makes it intentional. Because a goal says I've thought about something, I've set some measures in place, and I'm going to try to accomplish it. So the fact that to say that I want to be successful then it's a matter of getting your students, getting yourself and your students to be intentional about the pursuit of a worthwhile goal. What is it that you want to accomplish? You know, what is it, what, what do you want to get out of this math class this year? And if you're every single day, you walk into a classroom, you're, you're, you're pursuing that goal. You know, I, I, I joked with uh, my, my principal and said, hey, I want to be, I want to be, I want to make the teacher's hall of, teacher hall of fame. You know, I want my jersey hoisted up in, in the rafters of, of the hollowed halls of teaching. And, and, and that's my worthwhile goal. So every single day, every single morning that I get up, um, my focus is on that's my metric. That's my metric. That's, that's, that's what I'm measuring against. So when I'm defining success, even though I may go into the classroom and bomb a lesson, it gives me an opportunity to recover from that bomb and to grow from that recovery and to learn a whole lot in that process. 
So even though in most people's eyes, like, oh, you didn't make this point, you, you know, you had this many kids fail. All last year, I had kids failing, 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 and everybody was like, oh my God, I say, I'm not stressed about this right now. Because I know that my kids are pursuing a worthwhile goal. But at the end of the day, if we don't have that in place, we don't have that definition of success to where we can actually talk to kids about success. I mean, we want kids to be success, and success can't just be a, a test. It can't just be a, an, an assessment at the end of a, of a unit that you learn. Success has to be something that they grow into because when they start to learn to create intentional situ intentionally create environments where they can make themselves successful and they start to taste that success the the repeatability factor jumps in there and success is just like sugar you know once you get that sugar in you your body starts craving it more and more and more and more and more until a point to where in some cases too much is not even enough for some people Success is that exact same way. It's contagious. It's an infectious. And if you are doing it the correct way and engaging students in that process of being success, based on a clear definition, again, take test scores out of the window. You know, you may just, a kid may just say, hey, I just want to be a better person at the end of the year. Okay, well, define what do you mean by better? I don't want to blow up at people. You know, one of my students last year said, I have anger issues and, 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 you know, every class, I, I, I have three or four episodes where I just go off and da-da-da-da. I said, so our goal is to reduce three or four to at least one a day. And I'm not just talking about once in my class. I'm talking about one a day. I said, because you don't have to worry about being that way in my classroom because I understand you. So when you feel that, give me a look. Give me a sign. Exit stage left. Get yourself together. I don't like people telling me to calm down. I won't tell you to calm down. You measure your own self. And I think in the beginning of the year, we had that conversation and he started getting up, walking out, coming back in. Nobody else understood what was going on, but then it got to the point where he wouldn't even walk out anymore. You know, other teachers started reporting, you know, he hasn't had, he hadn't blown up in my classroom. So his goal was one a day. He went a stretch where it was none a day. Because again, give them a taste of what is it like. If you can be successful here, transfer that to another classroom. You transfer it to that one, then transfer it to another one. So now you're not just setting goals based on your classroom experiences and the teacher that's there. You're setting goals based on things that you know within your own power you can do and accomplish. Right. And and I love what you said. And and we don't want to – it's difficult. I mean, it's one of the biggest challenges we have is helping kids define success differently than just scores and grades. Cause it's a system that's kind of ingrained by those scores and those grades, but just because it's difficult and it takes more work and more intentionality doesn't mean we shouldn't be doing it. It's, it's one of those things. And, you know, it reminds me, we talk about helping kids be their own best advocate. You know, that's one of those things that really helps kids become advocates for themselves when they start to feel like I'm in charge of my own success. Mm-hmm. And I'm in charge of my own success. And the only way you can be in charge of your own success is if you're defining for yourself what success means. Mm-hmm. And granted, you know, it may look way different in an elementary school than it will in high school, but 
those young kids, they they're they know themselves. They know what to do. They can set goals for themselves, and they can work to achieve them. So you can't ever undermine your kids in their ability to do things like that. But again, defining for them success is just the that's the basement level. Having them taste and experience success. I like to use the word taste because I'm a baker, and you know when you're baking, you know it's like while the cake is cooking, you smell the aroma and you start to smell the the, the combining and the fusions of the different ingredients you've thrown in, that it makes you want to taste it. Like, it's hard to sit here and bake a sweet potato pie or a pecan pie or a pecan sweet potato pie and smell the caramelization of the pecans and, and, and the brown sugar and the sweet potatoes and not want to taste it. But if I take that same pie and I burned it every single time I cooked it, the aroma would become so stank in that in that environment that I don't ever get to taste the fruits of my labor. Because instead of me tasting it, I'm throwing it out. Instead of tasting it from my experience, I'm, I'm discarding it. So as educators, we have to focus on how do we make a sweet flavor of, a, of an experience of learning that our kids want to take success. They want to get engaged with the learning. They want to set those goals and meet it. And if you don't give them a clear the definition, like I say, the intentionality leads to you saying, I'm going to do something this way. When I know that this is my intent, this is how I'm going to do it, I apologize that we have to take this short break from this episode of the Value Adds Value podcast, but we have news that's so important we just couldn't wait to tell you. Because we believe in it, and because they believe in us, we were able to partner with Nearpod to provide you a free opportunity and discounts on your chance to use the Nearpod platform. Now, what is Nearpod? Glad you asked. Nearpod is an online teaching platform that we can house our lessons, we can create presentations, and they have the most incredible bank of pre-created lessons and curriculum that is there for you to sample depending upon what level you choose. So if you go to the link that's in our show notes, I'm going to give it to you right now, it's go.nearpod.com backslash value adds value. That's go.nearpod.com backslash value adds value, you have the opportunity to sign up for free, plus get huge discounts on their gold and their platinum memberships. And for a few lucky listeners soon, we're going to be giving away gold memberships and one platinum. So keep listening, and we'll let you know when that's going to happen. But before that is, get on, go to go.nearpod.com backslash value adds value to check it out. This is why I do something. Now I figure out what I'm going to do. What am I going to do? Being successful, you could be so much successful in so many different areas. You know, if you're not, if you're a teacher and you're a great teacher, but you don't want to be teaching, you could literally live your entire existence in your career and never be a success because in your mind, you're not doing what you want to do. So you're angry every day you get home. You're frustrated because you want to be doing something else even though what you're doing, you're good at. 
even though you're what you're doing, you're good at. And you say, well, uh, you know, I just wish I could do something else. Then go do something else. Go do something else. Well, this is all I can do for right now. Then don't complain about what you're doing right now. Just do it. You know what I mean? And 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 set those clear expectations of what it is that you want to do. And I just, like I say, we we have to get students thinking about what is success, giving them a clear definition. Because I guarantee you, most of our students don't know what success is. They think to them success is passing to the next grade. They think success is making sure I get acceptable or meets expectations on a state assessment. But that's not success. Success is I didn't used to be able to sit in the in the classroom and listen to a teacher talk and work cooperatively with my group. This year I was able to do that. That's success. And what influence do you think what they see as success outside of school has on their views of success inside school? I, I don't think I think the kids see the end they see the end products in so much in so many people. Right. Social media and, and not just social media, media in general. It 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 gives you this reality that everything's perfect and, and that they don't it very rarely shows the work behind it. You know, it was interesting. I was watching a special uh, the other night on Netflix about Africa and they showed the hunt, these lionesses hunting. And as they were hunting, they were chasing down this wildebeest to the point to where the four that were chasing them literally had to stop once they caught it and killed it and they couldn't even eat yet because they were exhausted from the chase. So they literally laid there with their paws over their portion, breathing heavy, while other lions came and took their field from the other areas, and those lionesses sat there and held their spot. And then they ate once they they were calm. And I said, you know, wow, we're so used to chase reward, chase reward, that we forget that sometimes in the chase, you have to wait a while. If I'm harvesting wheat, I just can't automatically go out there and get it. I got to let that sit a while. Got to let it dry out, separate the, the wheat from the shaft. You know what I'm saying? So in order for kids to do that, we have to make sure, again, that experience that they get in the classroom is one that shows them what success tastes like. Not, oh, you're successful. Everybody gets a trophy. No, you got all, I love Rita Pearson's example. When she said the kid came back and said, well, I got a two or something on there. She told me, that means you got two right. You didn't get them all wrong, so you're not all bad. And it's just, next time, we'll try to get four right. Next time, we try to get five right. And once they start seeing, I moved from two to three, from three to six, to where now I may only get to 50% mastery. But guess what? Within myself, I'm a success because when I look back, I'm not where I was. Mm-hmm. But that only comes from setting up an environment that's focused on effort and engaging students in in, in a worthy pursuit of, of success. Right. And, you know, we could talk about setting smart goals and doing all those kinds of things, but y'all can y'all can find that out there. But the last thing I would kind of add to the goal setting piece is just making sure that kids have it. But I mean, I do think it's important to write it down. We've talked about this at length between the two of uh-huh. us and the work that we do. 
when we set goals and we write them down and we stay focused on them, we crush it. Uh-huh. When we get lackadaisical, when we lose focus, when we um, stop having those dialogues and writing things down, we we lose focus. And and this summer has been amazing for the two of us because we've talked, you know, an hour or two a day, you know, a day, three to four days a week, the entire summer, every morning. Like it's, we've been on the horn for almost an hour and it's 621 in the morning, you know, because we found that that was the time that worked best for us to communicate. And it really is our power time. We're both we we both feel like that's our time of day to really get after it is right away in the morning. So just make sure that you are giving kids a space and a place to write down, manage, um, keep track of the things that they are doing. So they have a chance to look back and say, this is where I've come from. Cause that's, right. I think that's what we, I struggle with as a person is having that vision to be able to look back and see, wow, I've really come this far. I think sometimes I even I lose focus on on how far I've come. Because if you don't see it, if you're not constantly revisiting it, if that doesn't become part of your vision, then it, you'll never know. And then everything becomes happenstance. You know, I say, you know, I I I, I marvel at some teachers when I watch them teach, and I, I'm like, man, I was like, you know, how did you do? I don't know. It just comes natural. No, no. If you're not understanding why, how it is that you're engaging students and able to articulate it, then I, I question to, to, I question teachers on, on that fact of how can you say I, it just happened? Some, you know, we know the magic happens in the classroom a lot. But even when the magic happens, there should be a sense of reflection that happens that says, what made that go that way? And when I know what made it go that way, then I can then repeat that. Mm-hmm. And it gives me a greater chance to have more of those magic moments. Instead of being at the mercy of the sea, you use those as your oars to kind of guide you and direct you in the way that you're going. So you're just not out there just always saying, oh, the wind blew my way, so I ended up where I'm supposed to be. Yeah, you know, it's so funny um, that we were talking about Jim Collins earlier. And he has this system that he's been using for decades where at the end of every day, he writes down uh, on a scale from negative two to two, emotionally, what kind of day he has. So at the end of the day, he writes down, today was a negative two day. This day was a, a plus two, a zero, a one. And what he tried to do from there was he he figured out the things that were happening and the things that he was doing on the plus two days. And he did more of those. Hmm. And he figured out the things that were happening on the minus two days, and he did less of those. Mm-hmm. And he took something that's not necessarily quantifiable, like the emotional joy or you know your emotions on a particular day, but he found a way to quantify it in a way that helped him have more of the plus two days than the minus two days. Yeah, and I've seen a lot of teachers now doing things like that. Uh, I know my my wife uh, went back to uh, Aldine, and she's teaching in, in one of their model classrooms, model schools that they're using for the schools of the future. And the big component there is social-emotional learning for students. And 
kind of using a metric of, you know, asking kids, where are you today? Here's, here's, here's your thing. I don't, you don't put your nail on it. Just, just stick it up here on this thing and on this thermometer and tell me where, where are you today? You know, emotionally. And then you kind of get a gauge of where your class is and you can kind of start picking out kids to have a conversation with. Actually, they wrote the name on the backside of the, the sticky note and put the sticky note up so that only the teacher was able to see who the student name, who, whose name was on the paper to know who I needed to address. Mm. And I was like, oh man, that's so amazing. You know, it's, it's almost like an anonymous, no one in the classroom knows but me and that student. Mm-hmm. You know, the next day or maybe later that day, I can say, hey, you know, I'm gonna go have lunch with Kyle because you know, he said that he was feeling kind of lonely and you know, no one's talking to him at home. So it made me, me giving up my lunch to go have lunch with Kyle and that could be the difference in Kyle's day. Right. You know, so um, yeah. yeah, but I think having that, having that clear definition of what success is, and I challenge every teacher, if you don't have a definition to success, think about it long and hard and create your own definition of what you think. What is success in your eyes? What is it that you want your students to achieve when you say that they're being successful? You know, um, <clears throat> And then making sure once you do that with your students, make sure that your students do it and they kind of revisit that over and over and over again to make sure that they're actually able to um, to uh, to make sure that they can taste those, have those tasteful moments of success. Mm-hmm. All right. So to wrap this thing up, let's talk a little bit about parent communication because it's one of those things that I think most teachers could improve on, both of us included. So you know, what what is your vision or your goal for parent communication for this coming school year? Early and often. Early and often. Uh, <laughs> uh, before the school year starts, before I meet my students, I want to meet my parents, uh, have a conversation with each one of my parents, uh, reach out to them, and um, I think it's important um, that they know me. Um, this last year, I felt like I, I missed a lot of. I feel like I missed a lot of parents, which means that I that's an area of my student that I didn't connect with. Um, and this year, my goal is just simply early and often, you know, using the platform. I use Class Dojo, uh, using that as my as my go-to tool to communicate with my parents, to display student works. My survey last year, students said, Mr. Law, we don't feel like you celebrate us enough individually. So I said, I'm going to do a post on to Class Dojo and have students of the week in each one of my classes um, and highlight that student, talk about the things they like, things they don't like place they want to go what are their ambitions um each student of the week will have a thing where they're going to get a talk, chance to talk about who their hero is um and spotlight that student that way uh and that way i think that shows parents that there's a way to use the social platforms for students to be uplifted and edified instead of being a derogatory or a negative environment so um, parent communication early and often they have to know your voice before your for their children can go home and say, "Oh, well, Mr. Law said this." Then, 
them parents already know me, and I say, hey, you know, I'm a little wild. So if a kid come home and say that, uh, you know, I, I asked him if he bumped his head, I, I probably did. But know that everything I do is out of love. I, I, I want your kids to be successful. And I think when you have those relationships with, with parents, the kids are not as likely to test you. Because they know you talk to my mom. And I'm not calling your mom because I had parents that was that, that was on my DM when my kids had projects on Instagram. Saying, hey, Mr. Law, I know it's after hours. It's 8 o'clock, but we wanted, we were having issues with this project that's due Friday. Can you help us out? And I was like, absolutely. I'm here doing homework myself. What can I do for you? Early and often. Eliminate all excuses for, for not connecting with those parents. And don't let the quote unquote, you know, we have those good kids. Don't let the good kids that people say that usually go unseen because they are good. Mm. Make sure it's every single kid that, that you make an attempt. Email, phone call. If that doesn't work, reach out to the counselors and say, hey, I, it's, 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 it's three weeks in now and I have not been able to get in touch with this parent. Is there another number that you have that I can get in touch with this parent? Don't stop until you make contact. And you know, like I said, I set a goal. At least once a month, my pa parents should hear. Parents should hear from me at least once a month in some kind of way. Email blast, uh, newsletter. They should hear something about what's going on in our classroom and in, in their child's learning. And like I said, then when you, when you have to have those individual difficult conversations, or you have to have what I'm calling my refocusing meeting. Um, when I call parents up to the school, I don't want you to come up here and be begins a blaze, and I'm gonna do. No, no, no. I need you to come up here to help refocus your, your, your student. Your young scholar has already, they, they, they've kind of gone off track, and I think they need to see that we're on the same page so that we can all three be on the same page so that we can start accomplishing and crushing these goals. And yeah. so early and often. Yeah, and I, I think the other one I would, I would add to it is, you know, just the kid, like you said, the consistency piece. You have to, you have to have the consistency piece. And, and, I think for me, making myself available um, and, and giving parents several, like you said, several options to communicate with me, um, you know, because the, the thing that always got in my way, I, or I always told myself that the language barrier was what got in the way, that I wasn't communicating because when I started in Houston, the majority of my parents were, you know, um, English was not their first language and a lot of them didn't speak, speak English at all. But there's always ways that you can make yourself available. You can communicate, um, and like you said, the the more you can, and for me, the more you can get let that parent get to know you. And when you have that moment, if a kid goes home and says this is a, this or this or that happened, and the parents like, you know, I know Mr. K and, and I know Mr. Law, and that that doesn't sound like something that they would do. You know, versus having the, you know, like you said, the parent comes up guns blazing. But even if you think about it, most of our parents, there's a misconception, and I hear it a lot amongst teachers that say, parents just don't care. Not true. Not true at all. The problem is, parents don't know, teacher, that you care. Teaching has been portrayed in so many uh, uh, arenas as, oh, they're just, they're just here to have their summers off. 
oh, you have a handful that care about kids, but most of them just there for a check. Well, first that bubble, check's not that great. You know, it, it, it's good. I mean, again, I can't say that I'm, I'm not living in a poorhouse, but at the same time, most teachers have the skill set that could put them in a six-figure income easily. Um, I mean, matter of fact, when we say it all the time, we prepare the six-figure income student. So if we were to apply it, we could do it. Most of us are in the profession because this is what we love to do, and we need to make sure our parents know that. Mm-hmm. Our parents need to know that I care. I mean, my... My my opening thing last year, I was honest with my parents. Look, this is my first year back in the classroom. I'm going to bump my head a couple of times. I'm going to slip and fall. Just trust that I'm not going to allow your kids to fall through the crack. I'm going to hold up. But just understand that if your kids come home and say, hey, you know, class is kind of crazy today. Or class is kind of this. Understand the concept of what I'm doing. I mean, I think I tried everything I could possibly think of last year within the first semester. And I told my kids, this is a science experiment, so you just never know what you're gonna get. You may have four, you may have four kids in a group. You may come in the next day, you may have eight kids in a group. You know, and when you do that, not only do you keep the students on their heel, but you learn what's gonna work for me and what's not going to work for me. What can I do better on? How can I do this differently? Again, now I think my hybrid model of, of paperwork, you know, paperwork, rope memorization, and technology. I like the 50-50 split. Mm-hmm. I like putting that responsibility on digital citizenship on kids and holding them accountable for what they do and say on online um, by teaching them the different character points of, of being online. Um, but again, parents parents are not, they, they care. I'm a, I'm a parent and I care. You know, but I care so much about my kid that I want to know how much do how much do their teachers care? Not about just teaching, but about each individual student. You know, listening to my daughter give a critique of all her teachers, and you know, she'll tell you in a minute, "Daddy, such and such teacher was good, was a great teacher," uh, but I just didn't feel a, a human to human connection. I said, "That's that's a now eighth grade teenager. Help me know. Uh, that's a teenager talk." I didn't feel the, the, the individual human-to-human connection between myself and that teacher. Number one, it speaks volumes that she was able to articulate that. Number two, it speaks volumes on that information needed to be shared with that teacher so that that teacher can understand that you are, if you're already here teaching at a 10, you would surpass that simply by connecting with every student. Yeah. Every student, every kid is worth it. Every kid is worth it. Some of them a little harder to crack open to get to, but if you keep churning and keep going, eventually it'll be like butter, baby. Like butter. They're they're the they're the pistachio or the walnut versus the peanut. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So, so as we wrap this up, man, we're super thrilled you chose to join us for episode one of season two of Value Adds Value. A couple of real quick things that you could do to support us or join our community. You could subscribe to this podcast, share it, like it, write a review. But if you're interested in doing professional development with us on your own terms, you can check us out at patreon.com backslash value adds value. Uh, Will, anywhere else they can follow you? Uh, just follow value as value. 
I, 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 I want to just correct you real quick. I don't want you, uh, if you could do it, you should do it. Go follow us, go subscribe, hit the like button, leave a message. Um, and if it's something that you want to hear that we're not touching, that's not, let us know. Email us. Uh, let us know what we could add to what we're doing. Again, our job, first and foremost, is to be servants to our cause. And our cause is educating and making sure that every kid gets that teacher. So, again, if, if, if it's something that we're not bringing or you say, hey, you know, this would be a great topic or even, hey, this would be a great person to bring onto your podcast, hit us up. Send, send us a message, man. We, like I say, our goal is to interview as many other wonderful minds that are out here in education that are doing it so that everybody can glean and, and learn from it. So like, subscribe, uh, go to Patreon. Again, PDN on your own terms is huge. Um, we're all, we've worked all summer uh, to really put something together that we feel is going to be um, revolutionary for teachers to be able to, to get these PD hours and to have that not have that excuse of I don't have time right? because right. Uh, so. you can do it on your own time. So mm -hmm. uh, like, subscribe, become a patron um, and just, hey, just go and teach and do your thing. Awesome. Well, we hope you enjoyed this episode and you join us next week where we'll be talking about classroom culture and classroom management. So this is it. Thank you for tuning in to episode one, season two of the Value as Value podcast.